Let us come to the Lord in prayer before we go into the Word of God. Father, we want to thank you for this day. Indeed, it is a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day not because not only because the sun has come out. It is a beautiful day because we have breath. We have breath to praise you and worship you. We have this life to live, to enjoy your goodness, your grace and mercy. Your amazing grace as we have sung just now. For that, praise you. For that, we worship you. For that, we are thankful unto you. Lord, therefore, we draw near to you. Lord, we are expecting, oh God, to, to hear from you because we are your people. Father, we pray for your Spirit to speak to us, encourage us, strengthen your people, strengthen your children, that we may continue to live a life that is truly worthy of your calling. In Jesus' mighty and glorious name we pray. Amen. Some times ago, I read a book called uh, Surprised by the Holy Spirit, uh, written by Jack Deere. And uh, it, is, it is a fantastic book. If you have not read it, I would recommend you to read it. And it is a good resource book. Now, Jack Deere, in related uh, incident, where he was a, he was, uh, he was a seminary lecturer, and uh, at the time, a student came into his room to talk about some issue. And suddenly, he received a word of knowledge about the condition, about the situation of this student. He was surprised. He was uh, surprised by the Holy Spirit. He was surprised that how did he know? And that set him and, uh, on a determined journey into into study of church history, into study of the Word of God, to see, to have a uh, closer look at the work of the Holy Spirit. Of course, he was surprised by the Holy Spirit. And when I read the book, when I saw the title, when I read the book, I understood what, what it was all about. When I saw the title, in my heart was this, why was he even surprised by the Holy Spirit? Huh? And... And today, we are going to talk about why are some Christians surprised by the Holy Spirit, right? In Galatians chapter 3, verse 14, I want to just uh, mention this uh, to us because last week I mentioned it. Last week, I talked about it. Uh, and uh, so, so that in Christ Jesus, it says, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. One of the things that we have uh, uh, talked about, that the, the, the covenantal blessing that God has promised to Abraham was the Holy Spirit. Right? I, I didn't specifically refer to any part of scriptures because of time. And so I want to, I want to start un, unfolding a little bit more. Right. Also, due to the constraint of time, this is how much that I can do this morning. I hope that it is uh, it, it does justice to the will of God, to the revelation of God. Look, you see, and, uh, the blessing of Abraham, who came to the Gentiles, include in the package, huh, promised spirit. Now I was saying that we we can ask anything from God, but 
we can expect with certainty what God has promised when we ask that it shall be given to us so the Holy Spirit is a promised Holy Spirit uh, to the Gentiles as part of the blessing of Abraham uh, those of us in Christ Jesus we can come into that blessing now every promise of God to Abraham and therefore to us is made in covenant we in the, in the Christendom today we emphasize a lot of personal rela uh, relationship with God and personal grace that we experience from God rightly so absolutely necessary nothing wrong with that but it needs to look, be looked at in, against the backdrop of why is why is a God who is so holy, so righteous, and uh, in a biblical sense, right? In, in, uh, and hasten will be able to come to sinner and, and wanting to come, want, you know, pour out his grace upon sinners. Because he is love, he is gracious, yes, because of all that. But you see, there's more to that. There is something else that God has put in place. As we've been talking about it for the past eight weeks, it is covenant. God establishes covenant. God said, when I make a promise to you, I'm committed to you. That's how, I, how committed I am towards you in covenant. The whole concept of covenant should give us to supply a backdrop in which we hang all those good things that we can receive from God because those good things the grace of God the mercy of God the love of God His healing His deliverance His salvation and all the rest of it is not hung in the air it is hung against the backdrop of God's committed covenant and let's read from Isaiah chapter 59 verse 19 to 21 and let's read Let's read together. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and His glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My Spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. I'd, I'd like to give us a bit of background of this, uh, of this, few, of this few verses. And uh, in, in, uh, in Isaiah uh, 59, verse 1 and verse 2, and this is the word of God, right? He said, said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shorted. The Lord's hand is not too short that he cannot save. Nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities, he says, has separated you from your God and your sins and hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You see, sin separated mankind from God. And not only that, our cry to Him, He will not hear us, my dear friends. This is, a, this is the foremost fundamental issue we need to address when we draw near to God. 
And we cried out, but He does not hear. Could it be because of iniquities? Those of us who are in desert stream, you know very well that I have, we have talked about, often, we often talk about the, dif- the, the, the difference between iniquity, sins and transgression. Now in Isaiah 59, it talks about it was your iniquities that caused, that kind of a, caused your prayer not to be heard. The iniquities include not, something that only, not only something that we have done against God, not only offences that we have uh, uh, committed against God, how our ancestor has broken, has broken faith with God. Now, now let's just, let me just move on, right? And, and, uh, and in, in, uh, in verse uh, 15, right? 15, the second part of verse 15, then the Lord saw it. He saw how sin, how, what, is, what was the consequence of mankind, the nation, the people of Israel, His own people, being separated from God because of iniquity. It was a mess and it still is, isn't it? We look at the nations around us, look at the world that we live in. It is still a mess. Without COVID-19, it's already bad enough. With the pandemic, it, it is a mess. And the land the Lord saw it in the uh, second part of verse 15, it said, it displeased him all. And there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wonder that there was no intercessor. There was no somebody who stand in between, who pleaded on behalf of the world. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness is sustained him. Now, God himself came and he did something. From verse 1, we say, we, we look at that. You know, God said, no, uh, uh, Isaiah described God's hand is not too short that he cannot save. You know, his ear is not too heavy that he could not hear. But why is it not happening? Why is it we are not seeing God coming to the midst of us to rescue us, to do something, and so on and so forth? And, I, and, and, and God said, because of the iniquities. Man, because of the iniquities that you have been be separated from me. Say, says the Lord, this is in his, uh, uh, in the, in, uh, what Isaiah say. And, and the Lord saw it, saw the whole situation, the whole mess, it displeased him greatly. And there was no justice. There was not, it was not just, it was not right. He saw that there was no man and wondered there was no intercessor. Therefore, his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness is sustained him. And therefore, we have verses 19 to 21. So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. I know that these this verses here has been translated vastly different by different translators uh, and, and in different versions because of the complexity of the, of, the, of the structure of sentences, right? But we want to look at it, the whole thing in its context. And say, so, so this is, the, the Lord is going to manifest Himself and the people are going to see His glory. The people are going to recognize His presence. And when the enemy comes like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will do something that is at least and uh, a common agreement among uh, Bible scholars 
and uh, uh, Bible translator, the Spirit of the Lord is at work here, right? Okay. Now, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. In verse 20, the Redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression to Jake, uh, in Jacob, says the Lord. The Redeemer will come. The Saviour will come. Jesus has come. Jesus is that promised Redeemer. And for those who turn from transgression in Jacob and those who have repented from the sin, this is what God say in verse 21. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. Who? Those who turn from their transgression. My dear friends, if you have come before the Lord, you have turned away from your sins. As today we are going to have communion, and there's there's going to be opportunity for us to say to God, I'm sorry, God, I've offended you. And to those who have turned away from the transgression, this is good news. Because it says that my spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord. From this time and forevermore. It is a perpetual covenant that God has made. What has God promised? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God. Again, some may look at this, these uh, verses and say that this is to Isaiah, to the descendants of the prophets. It simply means that the prophets will have succession of prophets and from that time on and forevermore. But I'm inclined to, to, uh, to think otherwise as some Bible translator and Bible scholar has put it. It is, it is, number one, it is the promise of the prophetic revelation to God's people. It will never cease. It will never cease. The prophetic revelation of God. God said, I promise you, I will always give you prophetic revelation from this time and forevermore. But my promised spirit, because based on Joel chapter 2 and X, uh, in Acts of the Apostle, and uh, in Acts chapter 2, I'm inclined to, I'm inclined to believe because of the unity of the scriptures, the unity of the Bible as I look upon these words, not just in its context, not just in, its, in, in, in the words that of, the, of, the, of the verses, but in the unity in the whole counsel of God. For Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and verse 29, because that is a promise, Jesus, uh, uh, God said, and it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The sons and daughters of Israel, the sons and daughters of the descendants of Abraham, in which through Christ Jesus, we have entered into that promise spirit into uh, in, into those promises that receive the promised spirit and and your and your old your old man shall dream dreams and the young man shall see vision right a lot, lot of us during this time that the lord has been speaking to us through dreams although you're not that old uh, but it's okay right and then in Acts chapter 2 it was repeated peter said that this is the fulfillment the church is the fulfillment of what god has promised in Isaiah, in, 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 uh, in Joel chapter 2. My dear friends, my point is this, that when God says, I will pour out my spirit, He didn't say it just like 
it, it was the promise is not like hanging there in the air. Nothing to hang on. No, God said I am committed to this. In order for you to understand how committed I am, I I am saying that this is my covenant with you. Therefore, my brothers and sisters in Christ, the Holy Spirit has been promised to us in a immovable, unbreakable covenant. Can you expect to receive the Holy Spirit? Oh yeah. We should expect to receive the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes that, and when I read through that that book, ah, uh, the surprise by the Holy Spirit, I understand that it's not Christians are not uh, primarily surprised the Holy Spirit. They are just surprised by how the Holy Spirit shows up. They're just surprised by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage all of us that those of us who are a little bit wary about manifestation of the Holy Spirit, do not be wary about the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Right? Learn to have intimacy with Him. He's God. He's God who is three in one. He is God. Do not be afraid and wary of how the Holy Spirit decides to manifest Himself. To us, but we need to learn how to differentiate between the work of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and the manifestation of the flesh, of the soul in us. That we need to differentiate. But do not be afraid. So afraid that we keep it so far away. See, Jack Deere has been in his book is talk about that. Down through the the church history, era. Theologians have sometimes got so weary of it, do not quite understand it, and kind of uh, in a nutshell, huh? That they kept away from that. Even you know, in some writing, for the past three hundred years, has even purposely omitted some of those things that they feel the theologian felt uncomfortable. And so, we have some of the writings that has been passed down to us, to into our Bible school. But do not be weary. Do not be afraid. Ah, uh, it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit comes upon us. Everybody will go crazy. No. Now <laughs> we're gonna look at that, right? The covenantal blessings from God are always in our best interest, my dear, my dear friends, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. So don't no need to be worried, no need to be afraid. When we believe Jesus, when we are when we repented from our sins, it opens the portal of God's covenantal blessing into our lives. The promised spirit in Isaiah fifty-nine is for those who have turned away from their transgression, those who have repented from their sin, those who have come to Redeemer in Zion, Jesus Christ Himself. We need the Holy Spirit. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? At least in these three respect, three three broad category. Number one, to stand against the enemy, his onslaught, and overcome the gates of Hades. How do we stand against the onslaught of the enemy against us? It is not just uh, you know. Of course, it includes uh, the, when the when the enemies uh, hold when the enemy holds his people and people in bondage and begin to torment them. It is the Holy Spirit that activate that deliverance that comes upon those who those who need to be set free. When the enemy comes against us like a flood, the scriptures say, 
when the enemy of God, because of iniquity of God's people, come against us like a flood, who can stand against Him? In Isaiah 59, in the context, God said, I'm raising a new standard. Who is this new standard? I'm raising a Redeemer in Zion. And all those who come to believe in this Redeemer in Zion, Jesus Christ Himself, become part of the church, part of the body of Christ, part of the heir to the inheritance that I have prepared for my people, for my children. We become heirs to, to the inheritance that what Jesus has obtained for us and in Galatians chapter 3 talks about that it is the promised spirit that He has given to us. How do we stand against the onslaught of uh, ideology, of lies, deception, of culture? I mean, the prevailing culture in the world that we are living in. What is politically correct may not be biblically correct. How do we stand against the tie? Can we, with our own intellectual prowess overcome this? Surely not. It will only lead to more argument and debate and it will never end. Like somebody say, you know, till the cows come home. The argument will not be, will not be settled. How do we raise up such a standard? It is by the Spirit of God. And if you know exactly what the Holy Spirit is doing, He is not God. No, we're going to let Him be God, okay? We're going to let the Holy Spirit lead us and empower us to do the things that only He knows what should be done. Overcome the gates of Hades. You know, when we are faced with darkness, the forces of darkness against land, against nation, against family, sometimes we feel the war, it is like a flood. It's so overwhelming. When the, when the enemy comes against us like a flood, when we find that we are even finding difficulties, we feel like we have difficulties to breathe, huh? no space, who can stand against that? It is the Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that activates, that unleashes the power of the cross into our lives. You know, we know that we, we know right up here knowledge there is power in the blood of Jesus there is power in the cross of Jesus how do we activate it? We pray, we ask, yes but how does it come to us? How does it actually uh, factually come to us and turn the situation around? It is by the working of the Holy Spirit so He is such God. He's such God. Do we not want to welcome Him? Secondly, right, is to empower us, right? The, the, the Holy Spirit, we need the Holy Spirit for empowering. We need Him to empower us. Second is, uh, secondly, is to understand the revelation of God's words, to know His will and His way, to expose the enemy's lies and deception, to draw us close to the light. The Holy Spirit enables us to understand God's words. The Holy Spirit brings revelation to us. I was, uh, I was, taking, I was taking some ATI courses and I told my, told my student that every time I teach this course, the, con the, the outline is exactly the same. The boundary is exactly the same. But the content sometimes can vary 
Because the Word of God is so rich. God's Word is so rich when you dive into it that every time you dive into it, you get something new. You just don't know how deep is it, huh? Just like every time you dive into the ocean, you see something new. You see something new. You see something new. And you say, what else? Wow, such a vast ocean. I, I liken the Word of God like an ocean. You know, every part that you dive into it, when you go right down, when you go right into it, it connects you to the whole world, the whole undersea world. When we dive into the Word of God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to bring the revelation to, uh, to us, we are connected to the whole spiritual revelation of God's realm. We are connected with the mind of God and that, I guarantee you, will blow your mind. But it's only the Holy Spirit that will be able to reveal that to us. Who can expose the enemy's lies and deception? Today, we are faced with so many suggestions of how... Uh, how we should conduct our lives and, uh, and so on, what, what, what we should pursue life and so on and so forth, what is important, what is not important, what is good and what is evil. How do we know? How do we differentiate if it is, there is a deception from the enemy? Yeah, it's only when we draw near to the truth. You know, my, my friends, my brothers and sisters in Christ, truth is a person. Jesus says, I am the truth. Jesus didn't say that I have the truth. I am the truth. Therefore, truth is a person. When we draw near to the truth, lies, deceptions, like darkness will be exposed just as we turn to the light. The Holy Spirit enlightened us. He gave us an idea how to answer, how to, how to answer questions. He gave us an idea how to, how to pierce through the, the, the lies and deception of the enemy. Number three, to draw us deep to deep intimacy with God, the source of abundant life. To worship Him in spirit and in truth, we need the Holy Spirit to help us, to enable us to live our identity and in the destiny that God has prepared for us. It is not by learning what is, who is our identity. We learn by heart, we memorize every day, we wake up in the morning, we look in the mirror and say that I am a child of God. It does help. But it doesn't do the whole thing. It does help. It's just to put scriptures on, on my desk, put uh, scripture on my dashboard. I'm loved by God. It does help. But that in itself does not cause that whole creation that we make. I am a child of God. I am loved. I'm precious. I'm unique. Here. It doesn't bring it right here. It brings it right here. We can remember it. We can dream the wording on our dashboard. We can dream what we put on the mirror, what we put in front of our desk. It is here. It is in the soul. How does it move into the spirit of a man? It is only by the Holy Spirit that that truth can be communicated into the spirit. Our destiny that God has prepared for us. Whether a person feels that, you know, he is a man or he is a woman, whatever it is, it is not enough to tell, hey, believe here. It is not enough just to make the person feel that he should be a man. He is not a woman. 
You know, when, when, where does that truth of identity, what is the true identity, the sexuality, can be communicated to the person? It is in, through the Holy Spirit. He will reject the promised Spirit, my dear friends. Can I say this with a great severity? Some of us, that it may be a bit, a bit like an overstatement. We are doomed. We are doomed. We are doomed in our struggle against the tide, the forces of darkness, the onslaught of the enemy. In our society, in our education, in our academic world, in our worship, in our spiritual world, in our spiritual experiences, we are doomed against the lies and the deception because we cannot tell head on tell. We cannot tell what is right from wrong. And we cannot know our God. We cannot know who we are, who God has made us to be. We are doomed. Therefore, my dear friends, such a good gift, God makes sure we receive it. He packaged it. He couriered it. He couriered it, right? Door-to-door delivery in a covenant. Door-to-door delivery. He makes sure it is hand delivered to us in a covenant. Guarantee insured. Do you want it? I pray that not only you want it, you desire it, you hunger for it because He empowers us, He enlightens us, He enlivens our lives so that we live as what we should live. My dear friends, all this God has poured into our lives so that we may be a walking exhibit of His faithfulness, of His power, of His, transform, of his trans, transforming power, of His goodness. Did I say goodness already? His love, His mercy, His grace. Just can't say enough of His goodness. We are a walking exhibit. Therefore, when we speak the word, when we preach the kingdom, and that word, and that preaching of the gospel, it's just not a well organized intellectual piece of argument because it is followed by signs and wonders in our lives. Is our life a sign and wonder? Sign of God's goodness, faithfulness, power, wonders of His grace, of His mercy. Is our life an exhibit of sign and wonders? If our lives are not our message has no power. My dear friends, our message has no power. Our message to the world has no power. The world look at the church, look at us and say, you look exactly like us. They say, you talk differently. It is not just in talking, my dear friends. It is in living and exhibiting that life of power, of victory, of goodness of God, of faithfulness of God, of, of changed life. I can be changed when I can't even change myself. That is a wonder, isn't it? My dear friends, we need one God's covenant blessing. We need to want it. A gift can be given to us 
There's a Chinese uh, song huh? and says that there is a gift reserved for you with a name on it. If you don't want it, you will not receive it. You know, a gift that is given to us, huh? you know, he, uh, God does not, will not force it, forces. You take, a, you, take a, you want to take a stuff down your throat. A gift is a gift. We must want it. We need to receive it. We need to contend for them. Why? Because the enemy doesn't want us to have them. The enemy doesn't want you to know that how you can have the promised Holy Spirit because he's so afraid that you and I actually can step into it and he is no longer in control over our lives, over our descendants, over our family, over his church, God's church, and over the God's world. He is so afraid. He will do all things to stop us, to discourage us, to confuse us, to threaten us, to scare us, to intimidate us. Don't touch the Holy Spirit. I was once told by a very well-meaning brother, don't touch the Holy Spirit. I said, what? Don't touch it. He said, wow. I said, don't touch it. How? If it comes to me, how? If it comes to me, don't, don't touch it. My dear friends, we need to contend for our covenantal blessing, our covenantal inheritance. Because it is for your benefit, my benefit, the most important of all, it is for God's glory. If you and I have it, let us pray. Father, we come to you. We know that, oh God, that every promise that you have given to us, it is coined, it is locked up Guarantee in covenant. Lord, I pray, O oh Lord, today we see beyond all this and see your heart that you love us so much that you want to give us the best, the covenantal blessing that you have promised to us, to Abraham, to Christ Jesus. It's not merely so that we can, we, can, we can do your job. We can do some job for you. But so that we can know how much you love us. Right here, right inside here, right in the heart, right in the inner, in the inner part of our being that we know and we know and we say that with such certainty that God, I know you love me. You've given me gifts, spiritual gifts. Not because you want me to do something. Not because you want me to be your servant. Because you want me to know that I'm your son. Oh yes, Lord. So that I know that who I am in you. I know that I am who you say I am. Lord, we come to you today. We want wanting the covenantal blessing, the promised spirit in us so that we can soar with wings like eagles into our destiny, into the identity whom you created us to, to be, so that we can be, O oh Lord, what you have created us to be. Let's come to the Lord. 
Let's open our heart to the Lord. Let us receive this His presence into our life. Let us receive this promised Holy Spirit into us and say the Lord, I want this promised Spirit and I'm going to contend for it. I'm going to reject every lie, deception, fear, intimidation, whatever, wherever it comes from, from the enemy, from the world, from the flesh, I reject it all of my life. I command all these things to stand in the way of me receiving this promised Holy Spirit out of my way. Make way for the Holy Spirit to take full control of my life.